Welcome to the Great Western Woods World Building Podcast with me, Angeline Trevina, and me, H.B. Lyne. Join us as we talk all things world building. Get tips and advice for creating rich and immersive worlds for your stories, whether you're an aspiring author or wanting to level up your world building for future books. We'll be digging deep into our own experiences and sharing what we've learned along the way to publishing over 15 books between us in five years. So get comfy and grab a cuppa. Let's get world building. is a little bit of a celebratory episode for us because it is International Podcast Day. Hooray! So we're feeling a little bit special, aren't we, Holly? Yeah. Now, personally, I'm a little bit of a new convert to listening to podcasts, but I am absolutely hooked now. How about you? I've been listening to podcasts fairly regularly for about two or three years, I think. Uh, I started out listening to personal development type shows and then writing ones. And I listen to all sorts now. And I can't possibly keep up with all of my subscriptions. But I usually listen to an episode in the mornings when I'm getting ready for the day. The only podcast I've been listening to for a long time, and I mean years, is Writing Excuses. The episodes are only 15 minutes, so I actually find them perfect for listening to when I'm doing the washing up. And if you haven't listened to Writing Excuses, I highly suggest that you do. It is so good. And it's aimed at speculative fiction authors too. But other than that, I tend to listen to longer podcasts when I go for walks. That's my special little bit of me time my headphones rammed into my ears, ignoring the rest of the population. Total bliss. And with two young boys in the house, me time is rare and precious. Absolutely. If I do dive into a longer episode, it usually takes even longer to listen to because I'm usually interrupted several times. But I can't let the kids being around deter me from trying to do anything. Otherwise, I would never do anything. My current favourites are The Creative Pen, Stark Reflections, The Self-Publishing Show, The Purpose Show, The Uncurated Life Podcast, Writer Mom Life, The Strategy Hour and The Next Right Thing. I did really struggle to listen to many podcasts at all while we were on school holidays over the summer, but now that term time has resumed, I'm back to it. I mostly listen to, again, The Creative Pen, Ask Ally, which is the podcast from the Alliance of Independent Authors, Breaking the Glass Slipper and the Kobo Writing Life podcast. I actually have loads more that I follow, but I just never find the time to listen to them. Not yet, at least. I've just started listening to the odd episode of the well-storied podcast Ladies of Horror Fiction and author like a boss. But I really could just listen to podcasts all day and never get any work done. Couldn't you, Holly? 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have to be quite strict with myself because I can't really listen attentively while doing anything else that requires conscious thought, like writing or reading. My biggest trouble with things like this is that it is related to my business and my writing. So I actually feel fully justified in using it as a tool to procrastinate or to avoid doing my writing because, heck, it still counts as working, right? <laughs> and that's the danger. So you have to find the right balance. Absolutely. Go and learn all the new things but make sure that you're actually taking the time to implement them. Otherwise, the entire exercise is pointless. Yep. What are some of the biggest, most transformational things you've learned from podcasts and online courses as well? Well, I used to be one of those writers who felt all icky about selling. It didn't just feel at all odds with my creative process it actually felt like it sullied it writing was divine and pure and marketing was evil <laughs> i think we've all had bad experiences with pushy sales people in our lives and we tend to tar marketing with that brush so learning the mindset that marketing isn't icky or evil or wrong that's the best thing i've learned I doubt I'd be here speaking on this podcast if I hadn't learned that because although this is creating content and giving value, I hope, and doesn't feel at all evil, it is still marketing and I'm putting my name and my voice out there, which is marketing, albeit through an awesome podcast. Yeah, yeah, such an important lesson. And yeah, this is content marketing. It's and it's a big part of every author's like toolkit, really. Um, I'm not sure I can pick out any one major thing that's transformed my thinking, but I'm always learning little things to implement in my life or business. And that all adds up to bigger and better things. But actually, there is one really significant thing to come out of one course that I took. And that's meeting you. We, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> we met in uh, Nick Stevenson's Your First 10,000 Readers course community. And look where we are now. Absolutely. So how do you handle when things go wrong, when you make the inevitable mistakes? I really struggle with self-criticism. I tend to catastrophize things. So if th something doesn't go right, my thoughts leap to limiting beliefs like I fail at everything and I'll never be good at this. But I'm working on that and it is getting easier. This is definitely something I've learned from podcasts and courses, actually. I think surrounding myself with more positive messages is helping me to overcome my automatic negative thoughts. To be clear, I don't subscribe to the idea of eliminating negativity or being all positive all the time. That kind of thing is quite toxic, in my opinion. But I do find value in uh, like honing the inner voice to be more objective and truthful. Those automatic negative thoughts are lies. They're not really based on evidence, even though they feel as though they are. But looking for the examples that disprove that voice is really valuable self-improvement. Now, 
I actually have a university degree in creative writing, but I view that very much like driving lessons. It teaches you essentially how to pass the test. You really actually learn to drive by yourself after passing out on the road just by doing it. And I'm a big believer in learning through doing. I struggle with instructions and find them difficult to follow. But if I'm allowed to just have a go at something, even if I muck it up, I learn a lot more. But that's the big fear, isn't it? Failure. Mm. And it stops so many people from even starting. But you need to fail in order to learn. It's like all the mistakes I've made in my life, and there have been a lot, (laughs) all those mistakes, I don't see them as regrets. I see them as learning opportunities. And sure, some mistakes I've had to make more than once to learn the lesson. And some I'm still making now. But I'll get there. And every mistake I make takes me one step closer to success. And don't get me wrong, I am not some kind of mystical, at peace with myself and the world. Nothing touches me, nothing upsets my mojo because I'm so aligned kind of person. I get stressed and cry and scream and eat chocolate to make myself feel better, which I often later regret. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with a bit of sulking. If you get upset, it just shows that you care, that it matters, that it's important to you. But after having a hissy fit, and Holly has actually witnessed a few of my hissy fits, pull up your big girl pants and get the hell on with it again. Don't let mistakes stop you, ever, because every failure takes you closer to success, even if that success is figuring out that you need to abandon something. Yeah. Now, one of the best ways to learn is to simply throw yourself in and give something a go. But it's not as easy as that. There's a big fear barrier that you have to crash through first. Fear of failure, fear of looking stupid, Fear of wasting money or time or effort, especially when you're talking about putting things out in the public eye. We can tell ourselves over and over about the typos that we've found in traditionally published books by the big name authors. But when we discover one in our own or worse, have one pointed out to us, It's like the world is coming to an end. There's way too much pressure to be absolutely perfect and flawless. And it's just not realistic. Not in any part of your life. We all know the mantra that nobody is perfect, but it's a different matter to actually believe it. And I mean deeply and truly and wholly believe it. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's not just about learning things from online courses or podcasts. You can learn a lot from your fellow writers, from your peers. Absolutely right. And it's a great place to learn. So quite some time ago, I had something of an epiphany. It was one of those real eye-opening moments that turn everything you thought on its head. Now, we're so often told not to compare ourselves to other people to just focus on what we're doing and stop looking around at everyone else and what they're doing. And that advice has a lot of merit. It's something I try very hard to stick to and it is hard, sometimes incredibly hard. 
And I can confirm that since I've been making a very conscious effort to stop comparing myself to others and to simply carry on with what I'm doing, I have actually been a lot more productive and a lot more successful. And I've also been a heck of a lot happier because when it comes down to it, none of us are truly comparable because you're comparing your reality to the tiny, teeny portion of someone else's life that you're privy to. You never know what's really going on for someone else. It's like that meme, you never know who's had an argument with a three-year-old this morning. Now, take it from someone with a three-year-old, that's basically every morning. (laughs) But yes, the point is that you aren't comparing your all-encompassing reality with someone else's. You don't know how much they've failed to get where they are or how much they've compromised or what else in their life is completely falling apart. Having said all that, it is helpful to be aware of those around you, those ahead of you on the road, those beside you and those behind you. Be aware, but also bear in mind that we are not travelling the same route. Some people's journey is very straight. Some people's is meandering, some stop and start, some people have to crawl it on their belly while others get chauffeur driven. But you don't know that, you don't know what anyone else's journey is or how hard a journey it is. You may be comparing yourself climbing up a sheer cliff with someone who's abseiling down and they are very different things. You might be in flip-flops looking longingly at someone else's hiking boots. But the thing we always tend to forget is that someone in nothing but socks is looking longingly at our flip-flops. And that was my epiphany. Now, we all have people ahead of us that we aspire to. And you know what? That can be really healthy. It can be. If you use it to motivate yourself, Just keep remembering that what you're striving for is very different to what they're striving for and everyone's idea of success is totally different and it changes over time. But if looking at someone ahead of you is intimidating, if it breaks your confidence, fills you with doubt or resentment, if it stops you from moving forward yourself, you have to stop looking at them. Seriously, just stop. But, as I said, we never think about the person who longs for our flip-flops. And believe me, wherever you are on the road, there are people behind you aspiring to be where you are. So, back to my epiphany moment. There is a fellow writer, someone I know very well, someone I would call a friend, who I aspire to. I see them on the road up ahead, and I am heading their way. Right now, they are my next goalpost. And so, imagine my surprise and my shock when they told me that they aspired to be where I was, that I was their goalpost, equal to my shock when I discovered that they weren't earning anywhere near what I thought they might be. So, you see, I saw them as being ahead of me on the road, And they saw me as being ahead of them. Now just think about that for a moment. And 
think about that next time you feel like you're falling behind. It's funny, isn't it, how our perceptions can be so different from reality. It makes you think about how we make decisions based on what we think is evidence, when often it's really speculation. We use our past experiences to inform decisions, and I think it's important to really examine those experiences for objectivity. But as for learning from peers, I think this is really valuable. It's not about comparing journeys, but learning from what others have already learned, or even from mistakes they're making right now. When I interviewed Sasha Black the other week, she talked about how she reads everything with a critical eye, taking notes and consciously learning from everything that she reads. I don't quite go as far as Sasha with the post-it notes and the underlining, but whenever I read fiction, I learn things about my own writing. Now, it might be things I want to do better. It might be something a writer I think does well that I could emulate. But every now and then, I read something that shows me what I don't want to do and reassures me that my own writing is far better than I sometimes worry it is. I think as writers, we definitely read books in a different way. I actually know a lot of writers who say they can't even read for pleasure at all anymore. Oh, no. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) I... I also think it's important to mention balance. Finding the right balance between the time you spend learning and the time you spend doing. Because the learning is very important, but the doing is more important. Now, I'm one of those, let's just give it a go and we'll learn as we go along kind of people. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, that is no big shocker. Yep, I tend to jump in with both feet, and if I drown or break my legs, then I know not to do it again. (laughs) Of course, you might be one of those people who likes to assess the risk before jumping, or who likes to know every tiny detail about what you're jumping into, and that's fine. That's who you are and what you need to do. There's no wrong answer here. We're all just different. But if you're using learning time to avoid doing the actual doing, if you're using it as an excuse because you're afraid to actually start, then you need to have a word with yourself. So yeah, striking the right balance is really important. And I've been realising recently just how much mindset has to do with all this and how important the right mindset is to be able to just move forward, let alone to actually push yourself beyond your comfort zone. Mindset is so hard, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Those imposter syndrome gremlins keep worming their way in and it is really tough to overcome them. And there's no magic remedy. There's no miracle cure. You just have to keep working at it and keep working at it forever in a way that works for you, which won't actually be the same as the way it works for someone else. It's like, I had this conversation with an author recently. I know authors who never, ever read their reviews, who say that the reviews are for readers and not for them. And I also know writers who read their bad reviews so that they can improve and their good reviews to bump up their confidence. And again, there's no right or wrong answer here. It's just what works for you. And likewise with learning. 
if you're prone to using excessive learning to avoid ever actually doing, then find a way to strike a better balance. Limit yourself. I am definitely guilty of that. I've taken so many courses and enrolled in memberships and devoured podcasts at the expense of just getting on with my writing. I get next shiny squirrel syndrome. I'll be busy pursuing one thing when something else gets my attention and I go after that without finishing the first thing. I'm getting better at saying no to things and slowing down to implement new discoveries, but it's still a challenge. And on that note, Holly, is there anything that you're currently putting off learning because you don't have the time for it right now? What's on your learning wish list? Yeah, um, ads is the really big one. Um, I've made several attempts to learn how to do both Amazon and Facebook ads before, but I've always been put off by my lack of instant results. I'm a real instant gratification kind of person. Um, But so, yeah, so I kind of decided I'm not going to think about ads right now, but I am actually currently doing a five day challenge on Amazon ads with Brian Cohen. I nearly didn't because I've been telling myself to, to wait until I have more books out because a deep series, a really you know lo- long series of lots of books is the best thing to advertise in terms of return on investment. But I decided to go for it because knowing what I'm doing now will pay off in the future. How about you? Scrivener is my big one. I've learned enough that I can format my ebooks in it, but that is it. That is all I can do with it so far because I just do not have the time to dedicate to it at the moment. I just don't. And that's just sitting on my very big one day list. Also, yeah, like you, learning how to successfully navigate Amazon and Facebook ads and creating audiobooks and blah, 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 so much stuff. I feel like I need to take like a year out of life to get it all sorted. (laughs) And then I worry about the things that I should be learning that I don't even know I should be learning because I don't even know about them at all. But While that one day learning list can be a bit intimidating, it's also quite exciting because I love that there's always something new to learn in this business, always a new angle to try or a new chance to be taken. I honestly love that. I feel like a student every single day. Yeah. And I love that phrase, um, just in time learning. So learn what you need to know right now and don't worry about the big long learning list. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about our cool things. Oh, I have been busy on the whole real life scene and I have (laughs) so much going on. You know, people say it all the time about how the more you put yourself out there and make yourself open to opportunities, the more they come along and present themselves. And yeah, often we scoff, but it's actually true. So what am I up to? Well, a couple of Saturdays ago, I had a bookstall at my local library's author day, which they do every year. It was really cool to get out and chat to some other authors. It was really social and great. And I also sold some books. So it was a bit of a win-win day, really. And then I've got a couple more live events set up in October. 
I've got an event that's part of a book tour for Sapphire Community Group, and that's in Birmingham on the 4th. I was actually only asked to do that last week and had to very quickly work out if it would even be possible. On the 14th, I'm the guest speaker at a business networking event for Mums in Business Association. I'll be talking about how to tell your personal story to connect with your customers. Plus, I get to have coffee and cake, so I can't lose. Can I really? Nope. Then, if that wasn't enough, on Halloween, I'm doing a gothic horror evening at the Messy Hair Gallery here in Burton-on-Trent. I'm going to be reading a short story and a poem. And I am going to scare the pants off people. Plus, there will also be coffee and cake. So honestly, it just keeps getting better. But (laughs) yeah, this is all a mix of jumping at opportunities that present themselves and just getting out there and making opportunities happen for myself. I'm a big believer in that. Tell the universe that you're up for these opportunities and it will supply them. But you have to do at least some of the work yourself. That is so true. And they are a lot of very cool things and lots of coffee and cake in there. So I approve. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My cool thing is that I did something a little bit scary yesterday. I had an old work in progress that I haven't looked at for over 18 months, nearly two years, in fact. And it's been niggling at me lately to go back to it. But what stopped me from working on it was feeling like I needed to get feedback on what I had so far. Well, uh, yesterday, I sent it to another writer who writes similar stuff and who had agreed to beta read it for me. This book is in a different genre to what I usually write, and it's way out of my comfort zone. So letting someone else read it was a big step for me, and I'm giving myself kudos for that. Absolutely. That is a big step. And... I love revamping old things that have been hidden away in drawers <laughs> for a long time. And yeah. are you are you willing to tell us what genre it is? Um, yeah, okay. It's and I might use a pen name for this. I haven't decided mm-hmm. if I decide to publish it because it's erotica. Cool. So yeah, um, so it is quite different, and I might not be able to take most of my urban fantasy readers with me on that one so yeah (laughs) cool but it's so nice to do something different isn't it I love it when I get to do something totally different yeah it's good to stretch and challenge yourself and learn how to do something new yay we love it (laughs) so this week's would you rather Holly, would you rather lose 100 pages of your current work in progress or lose all of your wedding photos? (laughs) Are you sure Paul didn't come up with this one? No, this seriously is mine. This is evil. Um, uh, Okay. I shouldn't be this torn, should I? I should just be automatically, well, obviously the the 100 pages, because how could I, I couldn't live with myself if I lost my wedding photos. Um, But that's not quite how I feel. (laughs) Um, It's just really, really hard. Um, I, I, well, my husband listens to this, so I'm going to go for that. I'll lose the 100 pages of my work in progress. (laughs) And keep hold of your marriage. 
obviously, my husband is our podcast editor, so he is actually listening to this right now. Now, <laughs> see, my conundrum is that I. I'm sorry, Paul, it shouldn't be a conundrum for me also. But uh, I write quite short books. So actually 100 pages is pretty much a, like almost all of my book. <laughs> and I'm like, mm, but I'm on the second edit of it. It would be, it would be quite heartbreaking to lose. And of course, losing our wedding photos would be terrible because that's something you can't recreate. You know, I can rewrite yeah. my book. You never know if I rewrote it, it might even be better. Yeah. There's always that chance. <laughs> I I really weaseled my way out. I haven't even given a solid answer here, have I? And do you know no. what? I'm actually not going to. <laughs> I'm just no. going to weasel my way around the question and not actually fully answer it because I think both both of those things would be equally horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's maybe like because both of us got married, didn't we, before like the real like digital boom? So mm. like I I don't even have like wedding photos on Facebook or anything. Like, you know, if if I lost them, it they they'd be gone. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> that that's a toughie. I yeah, I've actually managed to stump myself with that question. <laughs> well I'm I'm not sure how much longer I'll be married after this. <laughs> well, if. If next week we're talking about having a new editor, then listen to why. <laughs> we'll know. <laughs> and and on on that note, we should probably wrap this up. But you know, hit us up on social media and tell us which you would rather lose. Because yeah, this really has us stumped, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the Great Western Woods World Building Podcast. We'll be back next week with more writing tips and tricks. You can find us in all the usual places. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. And all the show notes and whatnot are on our website at greatwesternwoods.com. On our website, you can also find the link to join our band of adventurers and access our monthly online world building chat sessions.